So thanks for, for joining us for our service today. And uh, really, if you're outside, inside, wherever you are, we're glad you've joined us. If you're in your PJs, I'm glad you joined us in your PJs. In fact, I said to my wife this week, it seems to me that most people are telling me they're watching in their PJs. And if that's true, that I should be able to teach in my PJs. To which she said to me, uh, I want you to think long and hard about that before you do that. So uh, I'm not sure how to think hard about something, but here, here is my invitation to you. If you think I should teach in my PJs, you should probably text the elders or email the elders and say, we want teaching in PJs. We'll, we'll see where that goes. And of course, if you don't, I don't have to tell you to email or text. I know those of you who think I shouldn't will do that. But if you think I should, we'll see where that goes. It may go nowhere. But hey, who knows? Let's say probably not on Easter. She said certainly no Easter teaching in your PJ. So we'll see where that goes. You may think that because it's Palm Sunday, we're going to look at that account in Scripture, but we're not. So instead, we're going to go to Genesis 4. So again, if you're the first time joining us online for this live stream, then welcome. I'm glad you're here. We are in a study in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And here's what we've learned so far. In Genesis 1 and 2, we, we are introduced to a God who is this. He is, because something can't from, come from nothing, he is, and when we look at his creation, we see not only he is, but he is glorious. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 3 introduces us to an opposer, the devil, Satan, who is a liar, who wants to destroy all that God, the glorious one, has made good. And he does that through lying. And Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, believe the destroyer's lies. And what the consequence, the result are, the ground is cursed, the serpent is cursed, and relationships now are hard, and life is hard, and death is introduced. A beautiful, glorious reality becomes a new fallen reality because Adam and Eve believe the lies of the destroyer. And now here's what we're going to see this morning, in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve become parents, and their kids now are born into and grow up into this new fallen reality, and it's a rough start. So I'm going to read about the first family, if you know what I mean, by the, the first family in Genesis 4. We're going to read the first 16 verses for us. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll follow along. If not, it's going to be right here on the screen beside me, and you can follow along. But I want us to see what happens with this first family, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Follow along with me. It says, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, so he's a shepherd, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He's a farmer. So, firstborn's a farmer, second is a shepherd. So, it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground because he's a farmer. Abel, on his part, also brought, because he's a shepherd, of the firstlings of his 
his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had, watch this, regard for Abel and for his offering. But here's where it goes south. Verse 5. But for Cain and for his offering, he, that is God, had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. In other words, you could see it on his face. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will, your, will, your, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desires for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel's brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, this to a farmer, when you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you've driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face. I, I will be hidden from your face, he says. And I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would slay him. And here, verse 16, the summary. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, friends, when I say it's a rough start, that's kind of an understatement, isn't it? Man, that is a rough start. The first man ever born kills his brother. Now, there's a lot of things in this text that after the service, you might text me a question about. And so let me just save you some text right now. There's a, there's a few things that I can't answer. Some stuff I don't know from this passage, all right? So we'll just help ourselves here. First, you may be going, what was the sign that God appointed for Cain in verse 15? He put a sign on it. What was it? Uh, if you already texted that question, you can delete it. I don't know. So I know some of you, well, and so you're like, oh, now I'm going to ask it because he said, I don't know. I don't know. I could guess. I don't know. You could guess. You don't know. You can read what people have guessed. They don't know. All we know is that God put a sign. It doesn't tell us what it is. So, and quite frankly, doesn't matter. It's not really the point of the text. It's curious, but we don't know. Second, and this is more central to the text, but what specifically was wrong with Cain's offering that God did not have regard for it? I don't know. I can, and I'm going to share what 
in a category was wrong with it, but what specifically was wrong with it doesn't actually say. And you can read a lot and people have different ideas. Uh, we don't know beyond a certain, to a certain extent, what was wrong with it. But you know what? <clears throat> it's often easy in a text like this to ask ourselves questions about stuff we don't know and miss what is so clear in the text. And here is, here's what I don't want us to miss. Here's what we do know. We know that Cain went from bringing an offering to the Lord, because that's what the text says. He goes from bringing an offering to the Lord to, by the end of the text, a vagrant who is out of the presence of the Lord. You agree with that? That's just a huge shift. Bringing an offering to the Lord to now out of the presence of the Lord, despairing that, as the text says, his punishment was too great. Uh, Here's what we do know. That that was Cain's downward spiral. And so, knowing that, I want to answer this for us. What happened? And I want to answer what happened because, folks, you understand, downward spiral can happen in my heart. Downward spiral can happen in your heart and in your life. And Cain never thought he'd end up out of the presence of the Lord as a vagrant, despairing, punishment too great to bear. So desperate, I hope you are with me to go, man, what happened? Because I do not want that to happen to me. I don't want to end up where I never thought I'd end up. All right, so you with me? That's what we know did happen. And I think the text, as we look into it now more closely, will reveal what happened. Here are simply what I'm going to call six truths that are plain from Cain. Stuff we don't know, but there are six truths plain. First, six of six truths plain from Cain. First, engaging in religious activity is not the same as living a life that pleases God. That's what we see in, from Cain. He engage, engages in a, a religious activity. In other words, it says he brings an offering to the Lord. And at first pass, you'd go like, yeah, way to go. That's good. That, way to go. Just Abel brought an offering. Cain brought an offering. Excellent. But that's not what the Lord sees. He doesn't have regard for it. So he went through a religious activity that didn't please the Lord. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to go to church. That'll please the Lord. I'm going to help somebody who's in need. That'll please the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible. That will please the Lord. I need to say my prayers. That'll please the Lord. I need to take my kids to church. That'll please the Lord. I need to log in this morning and that'll please the Lord. I didn't watch four services this week. That'll please the Lord. Listen, that may or may not. One offering Brought to the Lord, pleased the Lord. Another offering to the Lord, didn't please the Lord. In other words, all religious activity is not the same. Not everything that looks good is good. What's the difference? 
Well, we know this from the scriptures. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what was absent in Cain's offering that God did not have regard for it? Faith. Whether that was because the type of offering he brought, the quality of offering that he brought, the attitude by which he brought the offering, we don't know. I don't know specifically. What I do know is this. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And so Cain did something that his brother Abel did that pleased the Lord, but when Cain did it, it didn't. And therefore, without faith. And it makes sense. You can log in to please the Lord, or you can log in to check a box. You can do something by faith, in other words, for the Lord, because this passage goes on to design faith like this. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, so this is, this is a good word for all of us who don't want to go the path of Cain. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of watch those who seek him. You see the attention? The focus is on him, who he is, that he is. And he is a, a rewarder of those who don't seek his reward, but seek him. Don't miss it. You see, it's faith that says, I believe that there really is a God that I cannot see. And I believe that when I seek him, not his reward, not just doing religious activity, but when I seek him, then he is pleased. And I, I benefit. I enjoy the reward from him. Not from seeking the reward, but seeking him. So I'm glad you're with us this morning. I'm glad you're logged in. But ask yourself, are you seeking him this morning? Are you seeking protection? Are you thinking, man, maybe if I go to church, then God will keep me safe? You're thinking, maybe if I go to church, then God will keep my kids safe. Uh, maybe if I read my Bible this week, then, then God will keep me safe. See the difference? It's religious activity. <laughs> I'm all for going to church, reading my Bible, praying, giving, and helping. But who are you doing it for? If you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for how people would, would uh, see you. If you're doing it for a reward uh, and it's without faith and you are headed down the downward spiral of Cain. Seek him. Believe that he is. Believe that he will reward you as you seek him, as you respond to him. That's, that's what Abel did. And the Lord was pleased, gained it. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Second truth, plain from Cain. Responding to correction with anger will lead to 
increased sinful behavior. All right? So the Lord doesn't receive Cain's offering and, and Cain gets angry about it. And the Lord says, don't be angry. Receive the correction. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Will you not, your countenance not be lifted up? <laughs> so I'm here at the table. My wife's at the house watching, I trust. Um, she knows, she has seen when I receive correction and when I respond to it with resistance, with anger. And I want you to know this, folks. If you will read Proverbs this week, because you've got time probably, if you will read Proverbs this week, you know what you'll find? The wise became wise because they received correction, and the fools remained fools because they reject correction. Did you catch that? The wise weren't just born wise. It's just not like, oh, some people had it in their DNA and other people not. The wise, Proverbs will teach you, you want to become wise? Wise people became wise because they received correction. And fools stayed fools because they rejected it. So how you doing with receiving correction? Don't be like Cain. What the brother of Jesus says is, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. See, when we're angry, then we cannot grow in righteousness. He says, this you know, my beloved brethren. In other words, he's gone, I know this isn't news to you. I know this isn't new to you. You know it, but can I remind you? Nobody likes to receive correction, but when you reject it in anger like Cain did, it's going to go badly for you. Really, one of the things you might need to do today is to go back to somebody who you were angry about their correction and go, hey, I apologize. I was a fool. I know you were for me because I know God is for Cain here. Cain resist. James goes on to say, therefore putting aside all filthiness and that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. See, righteous correction, Biblical correction, the correction of God, it doesn't always feel good. It's not always easy to receive, but he is working. That's what we declared. He is working for good in your life. Would you, in humility, receive the word so that you would become wise instead of remaining the fool? All of us, all of, us, all of us are either pursuing the God who is and the rewarder of those who seek him or we're rejecting his correction and remaining the fool like Cain. Very plain from Cain. Third, if I don't learn to master my sinful desires, they will rule me. 
maybe the most important verse in this entire text is verse 7. God speaking to Cain who who did not bring his offering in faith and who did not receive the correction but responded with anger, God says to him, and God is saying to you and I, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. You must master it. Either I'm going to be ruled by sin or by God's grace and the power of Christ in me, I'm going to learn to master it. If I allow my sinful desires to rule me, I'm going to end up like Cain. See, it's a, it's a great picture. Sin is crouching at the door. At first pass, you might think, oh, it's like crouching. It's there sneaking. Sin is trying to sneak up on you. I don't think it means it's quietly crouching at the door, trying to surprise you. Crouching at the door means this, that if you will give it an inch, it will grab you and dominate you. And all of us, every single one of us, me included, every person watching right now, sinful desire wants to rule you. And you know it. It demands, I've described it like this. It's like the two-year-old who lives within us, who demands its way. And I saw it all clear again. My two-year-old grandson, back at the beginning of March, I spent oh, like four days with him in the mountains. And uh, with all bias admitted, cutest little kid who is more verbally in touch with his sinful nature than I've ever met a kid. Seriously, it's like weird. We got there, and there was at this place we're staying, there was a pool table. And and for a two-year-old, he has quite the arm. And he likes to grab things and throw them. And I was like, if he gets a hold of one of those pool balls, it's going through one of these plate glass windows that are all around us here in this mountain house. And I was like, uh, I have no interest in replacing a glass uh, window. And so I said to him, Joseph, no touching the pool balls. Oops, I just blew my grandson's name right there. Okay, now you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I said, no touching the, the pool balls. And he goes, but I want to. I, I know, but you can't touch them. But I want to. No, you may not. But I want to, 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 but I want to. Right? Every two yards, you've seen them on the grocery floor, on the living floor, screaming, kicking their legs. I want to! Now, is that two-year-old still in you? Yeah. Uh, I, you and I, who are adults, we just learn to be more civil with it. We, we learn to go, I want to. I won't say it. I'll just do it. Right? And Cain's not a two-year-old. He's a grown man. And friends, God says to him, God says to me, God says to you, your sinful desire is crouching at the door. Your want to and your don't want to is crouching at the door. And if you will give it an inch, it'll rule you. You got to learn to master it. 
Only in Christ can we say with confidence, even so consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, that I do not have to be a slave any longer to my sinful desires. Cain heard the warning straight from God, and he didn't receive it. The wise become wise when they receive instruction. Fools remain fools when they reject it. Cain refuses it. And here's the price tag. If I allow my sinful desires to rule me, they will ruin me. Sure as shooting. If they rule me, they will ruin me. My sinful desires are not for me. They will ruin me. And that's, this is why I think Cain is so compelling for us to simply look at and go, hey, what happened so that I don't allow this to happen? What happened was he didn't hear the Lord. He, oh, he heard him, but he wouldn't listen to him. He wouldn't receive correction. Instead, he got angry. And when he got angry, he opened the door for sin to rule him. And when sin ruled him, sin ruined him. And so if you were going to engrave something on, on Cain's tombstone, you'd engrave, sin will take me further than I ever thought I would go. See, Cain would tell you that. I hope you're listening. Sin will take you further than you ever thought you would go. It will keep me longer than I ever thought I would stay. Like the rest of his life. And it will cost me more than I ever thought I'd pay. I, folks, I understand that is so sobering. And it's intended to be. It's sobering because there's just this flashing, caution, warning, pleading that I hope you're hearing right now. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the scriptures. Don't end up in destination unwanted. Don't end up where Cain ended up. Come to the Lord in faith. And when you don't, and he brings conviction, respond to it. And when he brings correction, don't resist it. Respond to it. Receive it. When sin is crouching at your door, don't give it an inch. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because if it rules you, it ruins you. Take you, keep you, and cost you. More than you would have ever thought or imagine. And, and I know some of you are sitting right where you are in front of your TV or looking at your phone and some of you are thinking, man, don't I know it. I've seen it. I've gone the way of King. So where do we go from here? Two things. First, don't confuse sorrow over the consequences of your sin as repentance for sin. 
Cain not only refuses to repent along the way, then when he experiences, when the bill comes due, if you will, it still doesn't bring him to repentance. What's he say? He says, my punishment is too great to bear. He doesn't say, my sin has been too great. My foolishness has been too great. My disobedience too deep, he says, my punishment too great. Listen, I hope you're hearing this right now, please. If you are suffering because of the consequences of refusing to receive the instruction of the Lord and the correction of the Lord and you are under those consequences, let those consequences bring you to repentance. To change your mind from following what you thought. Change your mind. Agree with God. God, you were right. I was a fool. Repentance. Admit to the Lord your sin. Confess to the Lord your sin. Invite him to bring his cleansing and his forgiveness. Don't be the Cain who ignores and then refuses and then allows sin to rule and then allows a ruling sin to ruin and to then still go, my punishment. He missed God at every point. I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to miss God at whatever point you are right now in that journey for yourself. If you're at a place where you've done religious activity, but it hadn't been my faith, then hear the Lord this morning and place faith in him. Trust that he is and that he will reward and speak to those who seek him. If you haven't received his correction. You know, you know you're in disobedience to the Lord, but you have been angry about, you've hardened your heart, you've grown stubborn against the Lord. Would you repent? Change your mind. Admit that you've been a fool. And if you're experiencing consequences, don't shake your fist at God about the consequences. Change your mind, change your heart towards the Lord and say, I was a fool to go my own way. I was a fool to walk in the path of Cain. You see, the most important truth of that which is plain from Cain that I do not want you to miss is the sixth truth that God's patient grace is for the purpose of repentance. He, he was patient with Cain. Cain brought him an offering and he didn't immediately curse him because it came without faith. Cain knew that it wasn't received. It was a conviction inviting him to repent. 
When you experience that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's the invitation of God to you right now this morning. Repent. When he spoke correction to him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Will your countenance not be lifted up? It was God's patient grace saying, Cain, receive my correction. When he says to Cain, where's your brother? What's he inviting Cain to do? He's inviting Cain to admit his sin. I killed him. Cain won't admit, Cain won't admit his sin. As he, it's his patient grace inviting Cain to repentance. And when he says to him, what have you done? Just plain as day, what have you done, Cain? It's his invitation to repentance. And every step along the way, Cain misses the Lord. And man, with all my heart, friends, I don't want you to miss the Lord this morning. For whatever it is, big or small, wherever you are in that spiral, that you would recognize the patient grace of God in your life and it would bring repentance. To believers, the Apostle John says, if we say we have no sin, so if you're sitting in your room going, hey, I don't have any sin, I don't know what Doug's talking about. (laughs) If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is, is not in us. All of life, this was the first of the 95 theses that Martin Luther nailed to the Wittenberg door. All of life is repentance. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we admit, if we do what Cain was unwilling to do, he is faithful, he is righteous, and he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us. The invitation of God's patient grace to you is would you would you confess and admit your lack of faith? Would you confess and admit your anger? Would you confess and admit your stubbornness? And invite the cleansing of God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous. And then to a completely different group, Peter says, the Lord is not slow about his promise. And we don't have time for the the context, but what he's talking about in 2 Peter 3 is this, that there's going to be a time in the future where God is going to burn up this planet. He said it never flooded again, but it will be destroyed. Judgment, full and complete, is coming. God has promised it. But people who say, ah, it's been 1,000 years, 2,000 years, bah, that's not going to happen. The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient. Huge difference between slow and patient. But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. There is a judgment. And so, to those of you who I know and are watching and have never 
repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus to be your savior. God is not slow. He's patient. And you have breath at this moment as God's patient grace for you to use it to repent and believe in him. I plead with you with all my heart, would you receive it? Receive his patient grace with repentance. What that simply means is this. By grace, you've been saved through faith. See it? Always come back to faith. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works. See, it's not religious practices. Otherwise, we could boast about it. Would you believe you're deserving of God's punishment, deserving of God's wrath, but believe that Christ has paid for it, that your works could never save yourself, only what Jesus has, been, has done for you could you save you? Would you repent of trusting in yourself or of resisting God and believe in Jesus? If I've never met you, but for whatever reason, God so orchestrated that you would be watching right now. And if you have never believed, I want to invite you right now to receive God's patient grace. And repent, change your mind, and believe in Jesus. And if you have believed in Jesus, but you know that you've not been receiving correction. You've not been acting in faith because we not only come to him by faith, we live by faith. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him by faith. If you know you haven't been living by faith, receiving instruction, if you've been angry, you've been shaking your fist, if sin is about to rule you and if it rules you, it'll ruin you, would you repent of whatever you're holding on to so that you don't go the way of Cain. Bow with me. Wherever you are, it might seem weird, but just bow your heads wherever you are right now. And I want to invite you. Whatever the Spirit of God is pounding on your heart right now to confess, to admit to him, to repent of, would you take the moment this is God's patient grace in your life. Cain missed it. Please, don't miss it. God's patient grace is being extended to you. Would you repent? Would you confess your sin, believer? Would you acknowledge your sin? And invite his forgiveness, his cleansing. And you who have never believed, would you believe right now? Would you declare wherever you are right now, maybe just speak it out loud. God, I've been a fool. I've rejected you. I've believed in myself. I've gone my own way. I thought I don't need a savior. And I admit right now, God, I need a savior. And I ask you, Jesus, to take my sin and my punishment that I might enter into your presence and walk with you. God, thank you that you long for repentance. 
And that where there is repentance, there's mercy and grace. And no matter how great our sin has been in the past, your mercy is more. So let's close this time together, declaring with one voice. I invite you to sing it, whether you sing well or not, sing it together that God's mercy is more than all our sin. Praise the Lord. Our love could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their song. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. So praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Riches of kindness He lavished on us His blood was the payment His life was the cost We stood neath the dead We could never afford Our sins, they are many His mercy is more Folks, I hope that, that that song will just resonate in your heart the rest of this week. Be, because here's one of the greatest truths of the gospel. You can never be too bad for God. You can only think you're 
good enough. You see, <laughs> we think, oh, it's really about what we do and what we don't do. And it's about believing faith. Remember, it's about believing what has been done for us. And whether you think you're a sinner of greatest proportions or admitting I'm a sinner, it doesn't matter what depth. It's believing that he is and he is a rewarder of those who will seek. And would you seek his grace today with your repentance and rejoice then in his mercy that is more. Thanks again for joining us this morning in this live stream.